You are listening to the audio version of the Courtauld Digital Media blog. My name is Celia Coburn, and I am a digitization volunteer. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this post. This post is called Ghosts on the South Bank, a walking tour of the Festival of Britain. It was written by Kitty Gernos Davies and first published on the 15th of October, 2021. Kitty created a series of digital collages for this post. She took photographs of the South Bank today using a medium format camera, developed and printed the film herself, and combined her photos with items from the collection. If you are listening to this on a podcast app, you might want to visit the blog to look at the images as you listen. Join me on a walking tour of the Festival of Britain. In the summer of 1951, the wedge of land between Waterloo Bridge and Hungerford Bridge was populated by a series of temporary architectural structures built to house exhibitions that showcased innovation in British science, industry, and design. Notable amongst these were the Royal Festival Hall, the Dome of Discovery, and the Skylon. Of these three, only the Royal Festival Hall is still standing. At the time, the Dome of Discovery was the largest dome in the world, with a diameter of 365 feet. The Skylon, a cigar-shaped steel sculpture that reached vertically into the air, was visible for miles around. A photograph held in Box 4273, Folder 1, Item 46, captures the Skylon beautifully. The photograph was taken at night, and the Skylon is lit up and appears to hover strangely above the other buildings. A new aesthetic known as the festival style emerged from the innovative architecture, furniture, textile, and graphic design featured in the construction of the site. Inspired by international modernism, the Festival of Britain was perceived by many to be a successful modeling of new principles of urban planning that introduced cutting-edge design to the lived environment. The festival was a success with many architects, designers, and the public alike, with around 8.5 million visitors between May and September 1951. The striking development of the South Bank, however, was not popular with everyone. The following year, a new Conservative government headed by Churchill came to power. The site, and the Skylon in particular, was understood to be a symbol of Labour's successful project to lift the spirits of the post-war British public, still enduring austerity and rationing. Famously, Churchill ordered that the Skylon be destroyed. Popular imagination has it that the sculpture's cables were cut so that the structure toppled into the Thames, where it still rests. The reality, of course, is far less romantic. The Skylon and the steel roof of the Dome of Discovery were melted down by a London scrap metal company and repurposed into letter knives and other commemorative souvenirs, the utopic symbol of labor's reform fittingly transformed by new government into capitalist commodities. Aside from the Royal Festival Hall, there are no physical remains of the Festival of Britain. I can't help but wonder what ghosts were left behind as these iconic structures were torn down. Might they have been disturbed when the London Eye was winched into place 20 years ago? 
inspired by the Conway Library's collection of photographs of the Festival of Britain, held by the Courtauld, I retraced the steps of festival visitors to try to understand these questions. You're welcome to come with me. Armed with my medium-format camera and a few rolls of black-and-white film, Ilford HP5 if you're interested, I walked the length of the South Bank in search of the ghosts of festivals past. First stop. From the embankment, we look across the Thames at the site occupied by the Festival of Britain in 1951. We are met with a familiar sight of the London Eye. Towering above County Hall and neighbouring high-rise office blocks, it is nearly impossible to imagine what the South Bank looked like before the wheel was installed at the cusp of the last millennium. In the photo that I have taken, boats chug up and down the river and passers-by admire the view from the many bridges crisscrossing the Thames as the London Eye slowly creeps through its rotation. But look again. The Skylon Tower reappears next to the London Eye. The cigar-shaped body, propped up on spindly legs, recalls Louise Bourgeois' colossal spider sculpture that stood downstream, outside the Tate Modern many years after the 1951 festival. The Dome of Discovery stretches out in front of the London Eye, the boxy sea and ship's pavilion visible in front. Look to the left of the dome. Here we have the swooping crescent of the People of Britain exhibition. Today we might ask, which people? Who's Britain? To the left of the Skylon, the Regatta restaurant has been replaced with the glass structure of the Power and Production exhibition. For while the Skylon and Dome are in situ, the other exhibitions jostle for space on the South Bank. They have rearranged themselves, desperate to be seen by us again. After all, if the London Eye can coexist with the Dome of Discovery, why wouldn't the other festival structures shuffle around through the flattening and regeneration of the South Bank? Second stop. Now, let's cross the river on Westminster Bridge to investigate the site more closely. Descending down the steps on our left, we head towards the London Eye. Set behind the giant wheel is the highly manicured Jubilee Gardens. It is here that the Dome of Discovery once sat. Amidst the dreary office buildings and clinically sculpted paths that curve through the green lawn and bare trees, it is nearly impossible to imagine how the vast domed structure might have fitted into such a space. If we listen carefully, we can hear a babble of excited voices. Skirts swish around the legs of two young women striding across the grass. A child plays by the side of the path. All of a sudden, the festival unfolds before us. The famous abacus screen, designed by Edward Miller, cuts diagonally across the bottom of the path, setting out the boundaries of the festival site, while the Skylon towers in the background to the left of County Hall. Let's take a closer look at the Dome of Discovery. The photograph held in B4273, Folder 1, Item 17, shows how the legs of the Dome of Discovery stretch down from the roof to support the UFO-shaped building, designed by architect Ralph Tubbs. Inside are exhibits on the theme of British exploration. The visitors descending the staircase on the left are returning to the south bank from the polar regions, the depths of the sea, 
and outer space. We too must return to the edge of Jubilee Gardens as we know it. Blink and the Dome of Discovery has returned to its rightful place in the photograph held within the Conway Library. Third stop. Let's walk around the back of the Royal Festival Hall. From here, we'll clamber up the stairs that lead onto the terrace overlooking the Thames. In the early afternoon of a dreary Tuesday in December, the South Bank is all but empty. It's hard to imagine the hustle and bustle of visitors weaving their way through the crowds to visit the different exhibitions or clustering around the glass display cases that lined the bank of the river. Yet, gazing out across the river at the rectangular buildings neatly dotted with pinpricked windows, our view is the same. So much so, in fact, that it is possible to overlay the 1951 photograph of festival goers over the image I am currently taking. When I return home to my little London flat this evening, I'll develop the negatives over my bathtub. Hung to dry overnight, these will be scanned into my computer to be laid underneath the 1951 image from the Conway Library. It is only as I crouch over my laptop in the corner of my kitchen and carefully remove the background of the original image, and my photo begins to show through, that it will become quite apparent how little the vista has changed. Final stop. Crossing to the other side of the Royal Festival Hall, we walk up onto the highest level of the Hayward Gallery. Although a new addition, it was built in 1968, from here we can take one last look at the Festival of Britain. Laid out in front of us, the Dome of Discovery cuts across the façade of Westminster Palace, silhouetted in the distance. The London Eye, as always, oversees proceedings. Old and new London are united in a single vista. Blink and the exhibition spaces dissolve. The dome and skylon have been dismantled for scrap. The Royal Festival Hall remains, but has now been incorporated into the later development, the South Bank Centre. Westminster Palace is still silhouetted in the background, although now it is Big Ben that is in scaffolding, rather than the Tower of the Palace. While nearly all traces of the Festival of Britain may be gone, its legacy continues to capture popular imagination. It endures in the living memory of many who visited the pavilions as children and stared up in awe at the skylon towering above them, while marvelling at the new technologies on display. Like the great exhibition that came a century before, the Festival of Britain continues to capture popular imagination. A forward-looking statement of modernity in its time, it has since become a symbol of the past. Little remains of the site. Justice Crystal Palace was raised by a devastating fire in 1936. The empty spaces on the South Bank evoke the ghosts of what stood here before. Yet its influence lives on. The international modernist style of architecture that inspired the festival's architects mutated into the brutalist design of the National Theatre, Hayward Gallery, and British Film Institute, built in the 1960s and 1970s. Its spirit lives on. As this walking tour has shown, if you look hard enough, you too may encounter the ghosts of the South Bank. <laughs>